0: I'm very excited today because, um, well, I'm always excited when I have guests that I really like, um, which is pretty much all I have. Anyway, so today is a a very special episode of Kill Me Now um, because I think I'm one of the only people who was interested in interviewing our guest after the fucking orange piece of shit left. And I just, you know how I am, I like to get to know uh, what makes people tick. So I'm really excited that today's guest on Kill Me Now, and I did wash my hair for this, is the one and only Noel Kastler. everybody. Woo! Okay. Noel, I'm annoying
1: myself already.
0: Thank you for coming on. I can't believe it.
1: Thanks for having me, Judy. This is an honor, man. I'm just oh, I love you.
0: I love you. Ding. Um, So Noel, here's the deal. You know, I do a lot of research on my guests, and um, I was listening to some interviews. And this one interviewer was calling you a Twitter writer, and I wanted to punch. What the fuck is a Twitter writer?
1: I, I know. Oh, do I you know. Remember him? Yeah, a pretentious San Francisco like yeah. literary place. Yeah, yeah. Twitter so, writer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. uh, our next uh, uh, our guest today is Twitter writer Noel yeah. Kessler. I mean, every, that means everyone's a Twitter writer.
1: You know. Yeah, no, I know it was completely stupid. He booked me like it was a literary program, and I think he realized then I didn't have a book. (laughs) Right, but you're writing a book. You're writing a book right now,
0: and then yeah, he someone probably got in trouble. But he really seemed. I mean, it was a good interview, but it was like, shut up. I I hate pretentious people. They're so fucking annoying. Okay, so no, a lot of people know you because unfortunately, because you are a Twitter writer, but you have a pretty interesting life, like. First of all, your parents had you when they were 19 years old. That is crazy. Now, I am fascinated by this because I, my parents were 41 and 48. And so like I was the complete opposite at a time when that was not normal. Now that's normal. And your parents were, what? they were at college, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah, Washington College on the eastern shore of Maryland. And uh they had me at 19 and they named me after Jimi Hendrix. Jimmy Hendrix,
0: yes, you're named after um, you think I didn't do Noel Redding. Noel Redding.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um and did did they stay in college? Uh my mom dropped out to do my dad's homework. He wasn't a good student. So she dropped out because of the pregnancy, did his homework for him. He graduated. And then you know they split up a few years later. It was like the maelstrom of the late 60s. I was born right. in 71. So it was still right. there in the early 70s, but very much the hippie kind of overindulgence thing.
0: How like typical is that that your mother, obviously brilliant, smart, is doing your is taking care of a baby and doing your father's
1: homework and then gets fucking booted. Right. Do they talk your parents? Not anymore. No, I don't think they've talked for a long time. And my mom had a you know, my dad left when I was like four or five. Um, and then I lived with my mom, who was a single mom, uh, struggling with who she was. You know, this was the 70s and right, she, had, of she had a lot of issues and stuff. So she she sort of lost touch with my father, I guess would be the best way to put it. and Just raised me on her own as best she could till she could no longer, you know.
0: Right. So your parents are in. Co- what were they studying? What was what? Like your mother,
1: my mom was an English major. She was a great, you know, very literate, very good writer.
0: As, As are you, because you're a Twitter oh. writer. Hey, know. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> um, they were both army brats. Both of their parents were in the foreign service. My grandfather, on my father's side, was like Nixon's envoy to Vietnam. Yes,
0: Harry S. Kassler. Wow, you really. Uh, oh, I do it all. Was he was an officer? He was attached to Nixon, pretty much, and um. He would have Thanksgiving with uh, Westmoreland, yep. and, and but he would have drinks with the Nixon's in Cherry Hill before Thanksgiving.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and I just love that he. I mean, I, I, reading about your grandpa and your and your other grandfather was in the NSA.
1: Yeah, he was an NSA guy and like an Irish Catholic guy from Massachusetts who went to World War II and was in intelligence, and then the Navy put him through Harvard. And he basically learned like this ancient form of Arabic that they used to communicate in the Mideast. So he spent his whole career translating, you know, intercepting spy cables and right. stuff. Right. So my family lived in Cyprus and all over, you know, the Mid East. And then so they were both essentially army brats, you know, foreign right. service brats who met in college but
0: high up in the like like pretty high up. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So It's interesting. I find it fascinating that your grandfather who worked for Nixon, he quit after the their trip to Venezuela, where um, he had asked Nixon to take a different route, uh, not to go through the the city. And you asked and he asked him to take a a different route so that it would be safer. And Nixon, a fucking narcissist, said, no, I want to go through. I want to go through the main city and they were bombarded and the car, I looked up, the car was fucking trashed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were rocking the car, you know, and like it had American flags on it. It was like the presidential limo. And my grandfather was in the back, like attacking Nixon, like you asshole. I'm never going to see my kids again because of you. You know, and then they had they had one more falling out over the bombing of Cambodia. Right. And my grandfather was like, I you know my grandfather was an intelligence officer in Dresden, like telling them where to drop the bombs, and you know, so he was like, I did some crazy stuff for this country, but we can't be bombing Cambodia. Like this right, is bullshit. right. We've lost the war. Kissinger would had Nixon's ear at that point and wanted right. to help Nixon get reelected, and was like, screw you, we're doing it. So, my grandfather left and became an expatriate and moved my family to County T- Cork, Ireland.
0: Ireland. That's so amazing. I mean, I when I was reading about him, I was like, "Oh my God, He's just like his grandfather. I mean, you know, you're the the fact that he was like, "You know, fuck it. I'm not going to play this game anymore." Your parents were I mean, you know, when you think of Army, brat, you think of, like, oh, he's just in the army, and they go from base to base. Right. but you you know, we're talking. You know, did your pa- did they go to the White House? Did your did your is it your your father, your yeah, father's my, father? Did your father know Nixon? Did um, he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they remember like Westmoreland at Thanksgiving dinner. And my grandfather would walk into the Oval Office like his G.S. So rating. who
0: would be like in in the administration now? Who would be your father?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. It would be um, I mean, your grandfather. I'm sorry. Right. It would be like a senior aide. I don't even know if they have that type right. anymore, you know, because it was like back then people didn't advertise who they were. Like right. you worked for the Foreign Service. Really, you were like a CIA agent, you know. Right. My grandfather was in Panama, he was in, you know, Malaysia, like they were in all these crazy places where where there was like subterfuge happening beneath right. the surface, you know. Right. And I can't believe that research you've done. I'll, I'll share one more thing on them. They lived in New York for a while in a right. townhouse. And their best friends were the Benchleys. Nathaniel Benchley, who was Robert Benchley's son. Right. And the Hemingways lived on the other side of them. Oh, were, my God. And my grandmother in, lived in Paris before that. And her roommate was Julia Child, who taught her No attitude. fucking way! Yes.
0: I fucking love Julia Child. I know. I, I know you do. fucking... Oh, well, first of all, she was, t- I'm on a ball. That's why I keep going <laughs> like this. Um, but Julia Child, well, first of all, my mother loved her t- tall. Yep. And also she was a spy. She was a fucking spy. And I fucking loved her. Oh my God, that's, Noel, you're from like royalty. Well. <laughs> and then your parents <laughs> fucked it all
1: up for you. That's great. You know what my mom ended up doing, right? What? My mom robbed eight banks and went to prison when I was in seventh grade.
0: Okay, that I didn't get to.
1: That is very interesting that I didn't- But anyway, so it's a weird paradox. right? Because she was, you know, she had some, that's another story, but I'm I'm happy to talk about it. But it was interesting to come from that. Like you would have these Christmas dinners where my grandmother would be deboning a turkey, you know, because Julia taught her how to do that. Right. In some foreign service officer's house in like Chevy Chase, Maryland or Georgetown, you know, these swanky things. But then, you know, this was the 70s and my family was in denial about like my mom, you know, she had alcoholism and substance abuse and they sort of just were in denial about it. Right. So I would go back to this like wrong side of the tracks neighborhood where I lived with my mom in like a Brooks Brothers suit. Right. Sort of straddling both these worlds. And it was disorienting as a kid, but it was the best blessing I ever got. Right. Because you got to see- both I got to see sides
0: of the equation. Yeah. right.
1: And I saw how unfair it was, which is kind of a theme of my life and work right now. Cause I lived in a, in a, what they called a black neighborhood back then, you know, and, and it was, you know, it was black and Latin and uh, a lot of Palestinians. And these were my best friends and I lived right. amongst them and they would bus us into these leafy suburbs where we'd go to school with all the kids who looked like me. Right. And uh, it was just a weird paradox. And I, you know, I saw it cause then I was after my mom kind of bottomed out, which was the best thing that ever happened to her. Cause then she was, you know, able, she came out in prison. My mom, you know, I had after that two moms and I'm very proud to be, you know, the son of, of somebody who found her truth and started living it, you know, at a right. time where she was still conflicted, but, right. um, it was interesting to sort of have an upbringing that was like privileged, not privileged, and then in high school I was in Westchester, like which. Was right, totally you went cool.
0: Lakeland High School. You went, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so here your memories, your earliest memories, like you say, your parents divorced when you were four. Right. Then did you not see your father? I, mean, I would no. I would see him. Like I don't mean to. Cut you'd go you go to Woodstock. I I, I read right. Yeah.
1: Wow, it's crazy. It's like this is your
0: life. (laughs) I'm I'm obsessed with people. Like I I really, if you're going to spend an hour or some, I should you know. I just think it's. I know. I agree. I read read your
1: book in preparation for this, and it was oh
0: no, all
1: thank you. Incredible. We've worked together too. We just never saw each other in person. But right, like uh, home for the holidays in 2015, and a cooking show a long time ago. Yeah. Um. But uh, so I would spend summers with my dad who was like a trustafarian, I would call it. You know, because he came from means and never had to really work. So he would be like, I'm growing organic mung beans in Woodstock this year. And I'd go to visit him and he'd be like living in a tent on Todd Rundgren's farm. No way. Yeah, we lived in a tent on Todd Rundgren's farm for like a whole summer and stuff. You and your dad. Yeah, me and my dad in a tent. That is fucking hilarious. It was crazy. It was Um, great. Yeah, Yeah. but I bet you bonded.
0: Um, So did you... So you'd spend the rest of the year with your mom and then go visit your father in Woodstock. And then did you
1: have a relationship with your grandparents still? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Both of my grandfathers have passed away now. My grandmother maternal is still alive. Right. The one I want to live with Julia Child passed away. Right. But oh. I had, yeah, relationships with him my whole what life. What
0: a psycho childhood. I mean, you saw everything. It was bizarre. So, so your parents divorce and then where you go to... You know, you're you go to school. Right. But you're st- like so there's no money left from your grandfather to your mother.
1: No, because my other grandfather, who was like in the NSA, was sort of just in denial about it. My mom's a huge fan of yours, too. So she's gonna Hi. It, but, uh, so, you know, he was around and and my mom right. was good at making it look like things were better than they were. Right. You know, we'd go to my grandfather's in sun, on Sunday for dinner, you know, in Columbia, Maryland, my paternal right. grandfather. And it was like, oh, everything's fine. But, it, you know, it wasn't fine. It right, was far of course. And fine. And she would get DWIs. And there was all kinds of signals that, you know, were never dealt with. And then she ended up literally robbing banks. So
0: obviously the robbing of the bank right. is a cry for help. It's so... Like, it's just, how did she run? All right. So first of yeah. all,
1: how old are you when she robs the bank? I'm 13. I have no idea these that she's doing this. this Where is, are you living? You're in living Maryland. In, in Maryland in, still. In, okay. In Maryland. We'd sort of like. Um, what kind of neighbor In your, in your neighborhood moved you described before. We moved up oh. out of kind of the rougher neighborhood into right. a less rough neighborhood. She married a hippie drummer guy, still trying to find herself. Like, all right. her friends were gay. You know, you Barbara, know it's
0: so. Uh, can I just say. Right you know, as a gay, right. You know, people don't, and young gays don't realize this. Like it was a mental illness. Like if you lived your truth, you could lose everything. I mean, that was the message. You know, we weren't represented and you'd be not only shunned by your family, but employers, you couldn't get an apartment rented, you know, literally because of who you love, which is the way you're fucking born, right. you know? And so it's just, when you hear these stories of the struggles, you know, we can't forget. Cause there's so many, you know, LGBTQ RSTVW kids who are just, Yeah, whatever. And it's like, no, you got to know your fucking history. And these are the people, there's more than one of your mother
1: around. Uh, Absolutely. And and I'm glad you say that because it's important. I see it in this younger generation and I'm happy how free they are to be But Like it was a secret society. Like we go out to like the Castro district in San Francisco in the summers and meet all our friends and they'd have these parties in Marin County, you know, like up in the hills where they could be themselves because you had to be, even in San Francisco, this was the era of Harvey Milk and right. all this stuff. And those are some of the bravest men and women I've ever met. Oh, you're not kidding, especially Harvey. I know exactly. I exactly.
0: Who's only message? Wait, shit! I forgot the Jubel on Harvey. Um, the only, you know, his one message, and it rings true today, is come out of the fucking closet. Unless you come out of the closet. No one knows that they love a gay person, you know? Hey, everyone. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30 day alive and thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but fast growing trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces, but I live in an apartment and I'm telling you, Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. So you, you are 13 and you've moved up a little, but you, your mother has no money. Is that, is that what's going yeah, still on?
1: Still doesn't have any money. We're living in an apartment like we don't have a working telephone. She's married to a random hippie drummer. guy. Right. One was, Saturday- he a good, was he a good drummer? <laughs> he was all right. You know, right. Right? <laughs> I have a funny joke about that. I won't uh, tell it, but uh, um, so he, one morning the FBI kicks down the door. They kicked down my bedroom door. They're like, freeze, FBI. No fucking way. Yep. Guy holds a shotgun in my face. I'm sitting here under the covers, have no idea what's happening. I had a big poster of Keith Richards, you know, from the Rolling Stones. Yes. I love the Stones. And back right. then they had record stores and they'd give you right. the promo oh, posters. My God. When Remember that? Were- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just go in and be like, can I have that in six weeks? You know? Yeah. And, uh, so I had this big poster of Keith Richards and this FBI agent is looking down at a shotgun, sees this kid there. And he's like, looks at the poster, looks back at me, goes, you like the stones? And I'm like, yep. And he's like, all clear in here. And he just walks out of the room. <laughs> There's no child services, nothing. Okay. They go to- were you fucking like, I, I would have shit in my pants.
0: Like, were you freaking the fuck out?
1: I was- I was kind of like not really cuz I was a little numb at that point. You know, I I didn't know what my mom was up to right, but right clearly, right right I I did But you have. had
0: to, but you knew that there were issues at that point. Yeah, and
1: I knew the jig was up. It was like whatever she did, she's done it now, you know. Did and,
0: you have like did you have friends come like did you have people your friends come over or, or were other parents like don't go over to their house or Uh,
1: Not at that point, but in younger stuff, you know, I I had sleepovers and was in. right. 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 Okay. Okay. She did my best, her best to give me the best life she could. You know, she was a kid herself and struggling with her own. And you never felt unloved. No, I didn't. I had a lot of love and that's okay. why I turned out kind of okay. You know, yeah. cause love is love, you know? And and, yeah. and her exactly. friends loved me. You know, that's the other thing. Like I was raised in many ways by the gay community. I'm certainly the man I am now because of the love that and parenting. Can, right. And it's also, you know, it's, we all, there's another factor that
0: I'm sure your mother had to deal with is that you had to choose your own, you had to make your own family because the other right. ones were, that was it. You're exactly. done exactly okay oh that's good that you had that all
1: right so anyway so the fbi comes in yeah yeah so they drag her out like she's in the bathroom are you crying no 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 i I was through crying at that point i did a lot of crying in my childhood but like i was you know i was sort of like in my own world and like what's gonna happen and uh they drag her out of this bathroom You know, I just hear all the footsteps because the FBI is not trying to hear like I'm getting dressed. (laughs) Right, 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 right. They knock down the door. They drag her out. I wait till the smoke clears, you know, like 10, 15 minutes. I walk out in the living room. They didn't arrest the hippie drummer. dude. Oh, I was just going to ask you, was the drummer still there? Yeah, he's still there. He's like, I'm going to go to a hotel now and kill myself. You can have my (laughs) stuff. You know, my no way. Yeah, I swear to God, you know, he leaves, you know, and I don't have a phone. So I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? Like, wait, they left a 13
0: year old boy. Yeah. Oh, well, they thought the drummer was there. So yeah. yeah okay. And it's the,
1: eight, it's the early eighties. That's the other right. thing. Child Protective services. Like yeah. they would let her, she would get DWIs and they like practically give you a ride home. You right, know, it right, was a right. different era. So he leaves. And all I can think about is like, what am I going to do? And bizarrely there was a lot of self-centered fear. Like how am I going to look cool on Monday? Like you said, like right. how many of my friends saw that shit? Cause it was our, you know, I was, I was a teenager, you know, right. I was worried about looking cool and it already had the, had the childhood that I was already had right. secrets and was covering up. So I didn't know what to do. I turned on the TV, you know, day turned to night and Caddyshack came on the television and I was just thinking like, what's going to happen? How am I going to look cool on Monday? I hope nobody finds out. And I could still never watch that movie, but you know, back then they'd have commercial break at eleven. And right. there's a picture of my mom no. in her Fucking. disguise that they got from the bank. And they were like, Greenbelt woman arrested for robbing eight banks or whatever. And I was so just So like, it's like, oh. it's like the Patty Hearst thing. Right. Uh,
0: wait, so they show, what was she, what, did she have a wig and stuff? Yeah, or? she had a wig
1: and sunglasses, and like glasses, right? But the last girl she had done it to, she had gone to high school with. And she was so high, oh, she didn't my. realize God. So, how would she rob the banks? Like, would this she- is the, this is the this is the interesting okay. part. She would sit, hand him a note, right? Okay. Yeah. So she would hand him a note and say, "I have a hand grenade in my purse. Give me the money in the drawer, you know, or I'm going to detonate it." And she never had a hand grenade or anything. She right, had right, a right. note. So I like to tell people I come from a family of writers. <laughs> Right. But so she would hand him this note. The last time she did it, she was so drugged out and desperate. She had been speedballing heroin and cocaine, you know, again, early 80s. You right. know, so she was mentally ill from addiction and sick. And th- and that happened. I was rescued, you know, by this happened right around Thanksgiving. By Christmas, I was living up here in Westchester with my grandparents and had the normal, you know, he put me in a polo shirt. I fit right in. You right. Know?
0: Yeah. Look at that face. Yeah. Right. You're well, Like one of the
1: Von Trapp family singers. You know? <laughs> exactly and 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 that being said you know prison helped her sober up she got sober went to aa came out had a girlfriend in prison got out of prison i moved back in with my mom and- okay all right all right so she goes to prison right. do you visit her in prison yes yes i did and and she went to what they now call camp cupcake which is where they was sent that Martha where Michael Stewart. Cohen
0: went or no? No, was he that, was in
1: upstate New York. It's a female right. prison, you know, oh, but okay. uh, well, whatever.
0: <laughs> is that where uh Michaela Cohen went? All right. go. Uh,
1: it's, it's it's where uh what's her name went? The the uh, Martha Stewart. Okay, more yeah, yeah. Martha, okay. She was in prison with Squeaky From, you know, the Manson girl. Oh yeah. And they used to put on the white album to mess with her. Like as a big joke. God, that's and Squeaky would start freaking right. out and shit. But yeah. So I visited her in prison. So you're
0: you're like, at this point, you're well, eighth, ninth grade, right? Right. And you're living with your grandparents, so you have to move schools. So yeah. you can create a whole new identity. Is that correct?
1: You're good. Yes, exactly.
0: What do you decide on? Just like, I'm I was, a, just, I mean, okay. you can't tell anyone the fuck <laughs> why you're.
1: No. So what did you uh, do? What did you, what was your I was like story? a creative, I played music. You know, I'd been exposed to so much music that I right. had a head start on my peers in eighth grade that were just right. getting into Led Zeppelin. It was like, I lived that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I played guitar and stuff. And then when I got around, like, there was a lot of girls up there that thought I was cute. So I very quickly kind of got into that right. side of things and was just like sort of off to the races on my own. People didn't ask me about it, you know, and this was now the mid, late 80s when I was in high school and it was its own crazy time. You know, I'd go down to the city at night. My uncle was a big writer in the city at the time for a magazine, her kid brother. And uh, he would take me to concerts like I'd go see Miles Davis one night. Wow. I saw some really cool stuff. Was your
0: mother sort of the black sheep of the family then? A hundred
1: percent. Yeah. It was like she wasn't mentioned. Now she's fully okay we're talking 30 something years ago at right this point, you know 35 so years ago. all right so you're in high school and so you seemingly
0: have this normal you're living with your grandparents right were, were they good parents a uh, wonderful saints,
1: okay. saints
0: wonderful and you're going to high school and what are you involved are you you're involved are you involved in theater because i know you went to the uh north american academy. american academy of yeah. dramatic art so were you in the plays and
1: stuff or? I wasn't in the plays. I hadn't really found that part of myself right. yet. It was probably too sensitive to me to acknowledge, you know, right. I was more into like skiing and playing guitar. Right. Smoking cigarettes. <laughs> right. Good, you know, you could smoke in high school back then. You, I you know, oh, please. There. I remember. Yeah. Right. But, I um, smoked pot. We smoked
0: pot in the band room, in the practice rooms. And we would take, like, we'd have a one hitter. We would make it out of a Coke can and then we would cover them, you know the window whatever and then we had a um a rag soaked in perfume and you would take the one hit and you couldn't let any smoke out and then you right. blow it through the rag it, right. ridiculous you know now they're just with their vape pens i know
1: yeah and gummy so, bears, yeah you know? yeah, yeah they exactly. had gummy bears when i was in high school i never would. oh forget <laughs> it forget it okay so you so
0: do you feel like you had Sort of a normal four years of high school.
1: I did, and I had what I had longed for when I was living with a single mom on the wrong right. side of the tracks because I was basically raised by a television. You know, right. and shows like eight Is Enough" and "The Brady Bunch," and I wanted that. You call it? Oh, like, of course. Right. Yeah, like it, I did. I wrote a show about that. Yeah, like I just wanted to run away. I wanted exactly. to run away to their houses, their homes. Yeah. Uh, it, just a physical house. I was like, right. you're rich. Like, right. if you, I thought I was rich. Now I know my grandfather parents were just middle class. Right. So they lived right. in a house. You know, I was like, right. wow, a yard. So I got, I would manifested the life that I wanted, you know, and, and it was, there was a lot of blessings in that, you know, I got did, to kind of exhale. Did you get, did you have any
0: therapy at all? During I did. The t-
1: oh, a hundred percent. Oh,
0: good, 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 good. Did you ever feel like a fraud because you were, you were given this new life and you were still, I mean, you still had this baggage, I guess, or like, I mean, you're, you're, you don't even know who the fuck you are in high school. And yet you've had these experiences that, you know, you should not have had as a young child. So did you ever, did you have anyone that you could like confide in or. Or did you kind of hide it all and just? I hid it all.
1: You know, I would talk to my mom on the phone, like after school from the prison. She would call me and stuff. And uh, there was a lot of shame. I'm not gonna lie. Like it oh, was. of course. Like, now I can talk. I talk about it publicly. Like I, mm. I talk about this in, in 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 things that I'm involved with that help people, you know, further than that, but like, you know, in recovery and things like that. Like I share my story because there's a lot of kids going through that now. You know, the amount of people that are incarcerated now compared to back then is astronomical. But so there was shame. So I couldn't confide in any of my peers. My sense of humor had always been my survival mechanism because I was this little kid in this neighborhood. Like physically, I didn't stand a chance like defending myself, but I could take you down verbally. You know, I had that. Hello. Yeah. You know, that's what I say.
0: I, you know, in my book too, I mean, but it's like, you know, everyone is like, Oh, comedy is the best medicine, but it's also a weapon. And that's why fucking, you know, insecure cowards can't, get that are orange can't even fucking deal with it because exactly. it's yeah. Okay. So
1: you graduate high school
0: and then you have a few years before you go to the American Academy. Right. Right?
1: Yeah. So I, I got into, do? I went to Vail Colorado and I was a ski bum and like snowboarded every day and, you know, like partied, <laughs> you know, yeah. drank beer and skied and, and this was the late eighties, early nineties. Then I moved back to D.C. My mom was out of prison. At yeah. This so point. how long was she in prison? It was less than five years. I, you know, so it was like eighth grade to like by the first year I got out of high school. Oh, more baby. Out. So five
0: years. W- wait, when she would call you, right, from prison, was it that fa- like,
1: you yeah. know how they have
0: on TV where they yeah. do that recording? Phone call right. from prisoner number. Is that what? Really?
1: That's exactly. Yeah. Please hold prisoners calling you from, you know alderson correctional facility oh i just
0: want to hug you
1: poor baby all right go ahead it's fine all right so she gets out she gets out and i have a lot of healing to do with her right so you know it's like like, yeah I'm, i'm resentful you know i'm the child of an alcoholic this point at this point who sort of feels abandoned by their mom and even though there's love there there's a lot of work to do to repair a relationship like that. And the great blessing of that time was that she was now free to be who she was. So she had this great girlfriend who became like a second mom to me and they had an apartment in DC and I would move in with them and their dogs. And I worked as a bike messenger and.
0: Oh, that's so great. Wait, all right. So what did the girlfriend, did she met her in prison
1: or no? No, no. She had another prison girlfriend that was like, did you ever what, meet the girl, the prison girl? Yeah, I did, and she and, was like what you would think the prison girlfriend was like. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was yeah, like yeah. she was like hardcore from Aries, right, right? Like, you know, what like, did she do? What did the prison girl? I think do she had, like, it? I think she had done something violent, you know. I think she had, like, wow. you know, it was like a bike, you know, I don't know, shot a right. dude or something, you right, know right, what right, I mean, right? Like, okay. something like something hardcore you know my mom was like white collar kind of you know right wouldn't know how to use a gun or you know there was no violence
0: so the high school girl just to go back a bit the the one that she goes to the bank and the teller is someone she went to high school with right is that that's who told on her
1: that's who dropped the dime on her as they say in prison parlance yes but did she like i know that person because we were we're in the same area where my mom went to high school oh my god
0: what's your mom's name michaelin michaelin
1: michaelin yeah
0: okay michaelin seriously like go to a different area next time you're going to rob a bank okay so did she know right then oh my god i went to high school with this girl
1: or he must have i mean she didn't discuss it with me right. i had no idea she was doing this it was a complete shock to myself and my family you know what i'm
0: gonna have to say i don't think your mother's going to the high school reunion
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Exactly. All right. And my, the rest of my family heard about it on the news. That's how I got rescued because we didn't even have a phone. I wasn't right. like, picking me up. They oh, were just, weird. they yeah. heard about it on the news and swung by and got It's me. so
0: incredible that you think, when you say, you know, I didn't have a phone, how fucking addicted people are to their fucking phones. Right. And that, like, when I was growing up, we had one phone, but they're, right. like the really cool kids, they had their own line and they're you know what i mean or they had more than one line but it's like you shared one phone if someone was on it too fucking bad you know i kind of liked the world a little better then i
1: I, I loved it back then i I mean
0: you were in your head you could fucking take a walk and it wasn't like bing 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 bing. you know it's so i hate it i hate it It causes me
1: so much anxiety i can't i'm with you i'm addicted to my phone and i gotta get off it twitter There was also romance back then. Like if you wanted to meet somebody and get their number, you oh. had to work. You had to. Right. You and had you to- had to show up. Right. And yeah, it was like, meet me behind the school. At, you know, you had to write love notes, you know, we right. would write notes and pass them in high school. And that was your communication, you know, and, and also the, like the, all right, I'm really
0: old fashioned, but the don't fucking, you know, write me a thank you note in a text or right. in an email. I don't want I want a fucking I want to go to the mailbox and I want you to write me a fucking you know what I mean it's Absolutely. just I hate it I
1: agree. um
0: okay so the new girlfriend your mother's right. new girlfriend what's her name
1: her her nickname is Eagle her name was Ellen is she still alive her name is they broke up but her name's Ellen but uh, was Eagle. she Jewish no no, no. she was uh, Irish well, I, I okay whatever knew.
0: Ellen's it, kind of a Jewish name that, there right. we
1: go okay so she how did she meet Ellen uh, in DuPont circle, you know, Washington, DC. Right. Like yeah. In that area the gay mom, area. Yeah, exactly. My yeah. mom was, you know, in recovery at that point. So she probably met her at like a sober, a AA. meeting, yeah, yeah, yeah. a meeting, gay, gay, a, and, uh, <laughs> and they moved in together and I would stay with them. And then they, they got a farmhouse in suburban Maryland and had a pot belly pig and a couple no way. of, pops, and I moved in with them with, and that's when my acting career started because you know, I didn't have to work to in that career. But, you know, that's when I started studying acting because I, I lived with them and, and waited tables at night and was able to uh, save up money to go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and all that. And at this
0: time, has your mother come out to her family? Yes,
1: yes, yes. And what did they do? They accepted her. They loved her and accepted her. My family would have accepted her the whole time. Uh, I think it was more like, she
0: was so tortured. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and as you so well pointed out, society was different, you know, now we're in the early nineties and and people are, you know, they're they're high profile, you know, well, people,
0: you know, it's, it's an unfortunate that, that the AIDS crisis forced people to come out. Like I tell, I tell so many kids, you know, they couldn't be in the closet anymore because they'd walk out of their apartment. They had sores. They were, had wasting syndrome, you know, it, you really, and also the fact that these people are dying. I mean, this is going to a morbid place, but you know, they're dying in the hospital and they're not letting their fucking partner in or the family's coming in at the end saying, uh, sorry, you're not invited to the funeral and I'm taking all, you know, fuck you. That's why we have these rights assholes okay
1: absolutely and they so, were, i saw all that you know like my my mom's girlfriend eagle her brother had aids he was in that generation of men right. was involved with whitman walker clinic you know right. up. so i saw that's why i say these are the bravest guys you've ever seen right like the fact that you already have to live that way from stonewall to the aids era right right you know, Nobody got like a harder chunk of thing. And these, and I'm not saying this to pander, but like these were the nicest, most loving, unbowed people. Dude, right. death sentence that were fighting to just be acknowledged by Reagan and get right. medical care, Ugh. still loving and smiling and taking to the streets. Yeah. And that was a wonderful thing to see, you know. And it brought the, you know, look, the lesbians do not get enough
0: credit, the women who who stood by these guys. So there's a whole story there, but it definitely brought the community together, you know, because we had one focus and it was getting fucking curing this disease. Hey everyone. You know what I just did? I tore, I poured and I enjoyed a packet of liquid IV because I love liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life and I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. that one has a little extra that has a little green tea in it and so that's a little caffeinated so I enjoy that because I needed it today and you know it's getting warmer out and what does that mean summer Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay. And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar free. Okay, but Elisa does the sugar free. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor and I love them and they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Okay, so you go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Do you feel normal? Like, oh, my mom's normal. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think so. I didn't feel normal just because of my own right, right, right tumult inside, and I felt like acting was the first time that that was a benefit for me because I right. all that stuff that you alluded to, like these secrets and like not the real you, that could come out in theater. Right, you, know? you could become a character and use right. all that shit. Yeah, and then people were like, "Damn," <laughs> you know, because I had maybe a deeper well to draw right. on and and a way to finally release it, and that was like a white light moment in my life. You know, I was like. This is it. You know, like I found what I want to do. You know,
0: that's so, I know that's the best. When I, the first time I did stand up, it was the same thing. It was like, wait, what? this is exactly. So you go to the American Academy of Dramatic Art. You're, you're living the life of like a, you know, someone in their young twenties and you're waiting tables. And then you get a job at the Kennedy center honors Yeah, and the story that you tell, which is such a great story that really, that, you you know, you're a PA, you're a PA, which is, it's the first job in production. It's the bottom. It's like, go get me a fucking cup of coffee. There's no toilet paper. So-and-so needs, you know, whatever. And you just have to go do it, but you still observe and you see what the fuck's going on. So you're at the Kennedy Center Honors and They ask you to hold a French horn. Is that correct? Yeah. On the stage. And you're standing there holding this French horn and Aretha Franklin comes out with Billy Preston.
1: Yep. They hand me the stage manager sees Mm -hmm. me, thinks I look okay for camera blocking, goes here, hold this, get on the riser. You know, so I stand on this riser across from me is the Washington gospel choir. Right. Whoa, this is cool. Billy Preston comes out on an organ. Aretha comes out this way. Does a run through. They were doing a tribute to Marion Williams. who's a Uh, a Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So they do this run through Don Misher, who's this huge producer, you know, does the Olympics and all that says, okay, Aretha, you know, that's kind of okay. But like, do it one more time, like essentially one more time with feeling. And I'm like, I can't believe he just said that to her. And she's pissed. Like, you can see, she's like, "Mm, okay, okay. You're like, you know, she got mad. So they're like, places go back from the top. Then she comes back out and she did this song with the fury of like the heavens. You know, it was like she was pulling down lightning bolts and just throwing them on people. And all of a sudden the cameramen are crying, um, crying like it was the most wonderful, like expression of emotion and artistic soul I'd ever seen. And I got goosebumps and I was like, oh, of course. I I mean, come on, that voice. And and I worked with her for many years after that, a bunch of times. I would do like the US Open or whatever. And she always remembered me and called me oh. the Goose Pimple Kid. She's like, You're the Goose Pimple kid.
0: Oh, Cause, that's yeah.
1: Because so, that's how I got in the business. And then that took off for me and I gave up on my own acting aspirations because I started getting this life behind the scenes. Right. So
0: I- what can you explain to everyone? What was so, ex- I mean, cause I love the way you talk about this, what it was about being behind the scenes that you were like, grab, you gravitated to that. Cause so many people are like, oh. but there, the way you talk about that is
1: so much different than anyone else. You know, it it has to do with that childhood, you know, like yeah. I would, I when all this craziness, like these hippie friends of my mom would always leave these great record collections. So it was like Crosby, Stills and Nash, Jackson Brown, James Taylor. There was a hope in that music that I was like, if I can just hold on and get to that place, everything is going to be OK. Right. You know? And then I got to that place. I, I, you know, I was Jackson Brown's road manager and CSN and all that. And when I in the first couple of times I got behind the scenes, I loved that there was a world back there. You know, it was like that smell of the grease plate. I'm like, wow, it's somebody's job to hand, you know, to stand on a riser. Right. And, and see these, you know, I was so interested in the arts. I knew that, like, that thing i just seen with Aretha would never be that good on TV. Like, I knew the right. program would be good, but it wouldn't be that drama I saw. Right. Like, how our performances created and the uh, the push and pull, you know, those conflicting right. elements that make all this stuff come over, come together rather. Right. And so that addicted, you know. So you were sort of drawn. It's
0: just interesting uh, psychologically that you're drawn to not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside, like the truth behind, you know. uh, And you wanted to be a part of that instead of the pomp and circumstance of, you know, oh, I'm here with Aretha Frank. You know, it was more about, wow, this is how things really come together sort of yes um it's just it's i i love that because that's exactly who should be behind the scenes people who do appreciate
1: that and want want to be there you know in the process can i say one thing to that point you know later on when when i toured with csn and all those guys you know TV is fancy. You know, I did the daytime Emmys, the time, like that stuff is fancy. You go out on the road with a rock band. It's like blue collar, like you're with trucks and buses and staying at a holiday inn in Columbus or, you know, no offense to Columbus. You know, you're in this like really kind of grind and you see these roadies, you know, the dudes in the shorts, yeah, all this just work that goes on all day, you know, And the band, you see them, how they really are. They're just grumpy old men that you're, pushing on the stage practically. And then every night the curtain would drop. CSN, for example, would play, you know, do their opening song, carry on. The audience would cheer and I would feel that love that was thrown at them. And I would tear up every time. Of course. One second. And I'd be like, I helped create that. And I knew in that audience, there was some kid who was me, 35 years ago. Cause I got to go to those concerts and right. I, you know, I felt that inspiration as a young man and I know what, how it served me. So I felt like if I was serving something that could help somebody else's life out, you know, then I was, it was righteous, you know? Right. Right.
0: I get like that at the end of a Broadway show when they do the curtain call, right. I get so teary eyed because you think of all the fucking work that goes into that and people don't realize it. Okay. So you work for the, you do all this, you know, and plus FYI, when you're talking about being on the road with these rock bands, it so reminds me of being a comic on the road in the eighties and in nineties too, and just going from shithole to fucking shithole, no fucking phone, no fucking computer, you know, just trying to get on stage. And right. and if and if the audience sucked at your gig, that was because you you 23 hours you're waiting to get right. the fuck on the stage. Right. And then the audience sucks, and you're like, I fucking want to kill myself. You know, it's just shit. It's I shit. Can imagine. All right. So you're doing all this, and then you worked with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Who you said gave you the creeps.
1: Yeah, he creeped me out. You know. And I know people love him, but uh, I was a Prince guy, you know, Prince was Right. Oh, friend. I love Prince, That's yeah. Cool. And I worked with Prince too. It was incredible. But, um, you know, and I was, you know, I respect Michael Jackson. I was in seventh grade when Thriller came out, you know? Uh, but yeah, he was kind of creepy, you know, he was back. You then. Know,
0: yeah. No, I was going to say, like, I grew up with the Jackson five and right. I, after watching that documentary, I can't listen right. to anything, you know, Thriller on without, being tainted by that documentary because no, there's no way those guys are lying. Why would no. the
1: fuck would they do that? Well, of course not. No, I, and I totally believe it. And I didn't know. You know, I got in trouble one time. I did a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction with him and he showed up on a cane. And somebody was like, what happened to Michael? And I said, he fell chasing a little boy down the stairs, like just making a joke. And his publicist was like near me. But I still got hired. And, he, uh, you know, I did it from the show side, you know, so it wasn't like Michael was calling me up and hiring right, me. Right, I would right. get assigned to him. And the last gig I did with him was the, uh, the VMAs at Lincoln Center. This would this was 2000, right? And uh-huh. he was my talent, and they made me like shut down the hallway when he walked to stage. So it was like you two had to stay in their dressing room. Nobody could go to stage. Right, right, right. He was there with Yuri U- Geller, you know the guy. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The- and I was like,
1: Yuri, what are you doing here? He's like, right. I'm Michael's best friend. I'm like, how long have you known him? He's like, two weeks. We met on a plane. And oh like, my weird. God, what the fuck is so weird? And, and he had that mask on. He was ahead of his time there. Oh, yeah, 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 right. His nose was gone. Like there was yeah. no nose left. And he, he was tall too. I'm short. I'm five seven, but like, you know, Michael was taller than most people think. I think somehow they think of him. Yeah,
0: because I think of him as such a little boy. Right. No, know?
1: and he was a tall dude. Like it was, it was just a weird paradox with that voice. And I just didn't dig it. And I had. I, so I'd been hired to work with him then and then a Sunday and Monday night at Madison Square Garden. And he was doing like a Jackson reunion, like Jackson special. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was. We didn't have a shooting script. All we knew is that he had hired Marlon Brando and Liza Minnelli to be on the show with him. And I'm like, hey, you know, I went to my boss and I was like, this sounds like a freaking train wreck. Right. right it was early September. I had just gotten a cabin in Woodstock and I had a cat who loved being up there. I was like, why don't you get me out of this gig? There's a million people that love to work with Michael. Let me get out of this and go up to my cabin. And she was like, fine, you're released. You've done your duty, you know, cause he was just a nightmare. Right. Right. And, uh, I went up to my cabin and I lived downtown at the time, but I was up at the cabin and the, the last night of the taping was September 10th, 2001.
0: Uh, yeah. It's amazing. So he'd say so he, lucky he, you would yeah, have I been know. downtown.
1: And then he had to drive, of course, across the country with Liza Minnelli and Marlon Brando. And, uh, I, that, for, that is, that. I love that you said something
0: about, you know, can you imagine being yeah. at a fucking gas station in the middle of Kansas in these
1: three walk? <laughs> God, I can't believe you, you literally have <laughs> everything I've done. Oh,
0: please. You know, I, I'm- I'm so you know. honored, Judy.
1: Oh, stop.
0: Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the unbelievable Noel Castler. Now, if you like the show, as I say every week, please subscribe and leave a review. I want more reviews and I want them to be five stars and I want you to go do it so I have a lot. I'm, I'm feeling unloved. If you haven't purchased my book, yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. I, really, you know, it's every week I mention this. Every week every guy. Go- oh, I just got a new review on Amazon. Five stars. Wow. It was everything I expected and more. Okay. So what are you waiting for people? And the audiobook as well is fantastic. Just lower the volume. Anyway, it would really mean a lot to me if you check it out because, um, I need the money and all the order links are on the homepage of judygold.com or wherever books are sold. Also, please make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for my thoughts about everything, uh, upcoming virtual and live <laughs> live events. Isn't that hilarious? Uh, and dates that's at Judy gold, you know, J E W D Y G O L D, you know, like Jew gold. Cause I'm a Jew, 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 Jew. Uh, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Stay well, wear a mask. We're almost done with this shit. Fingers crossed and be well. And if you're traveling and you're on the East Coast, drive carefully. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um it's just Kill Me uh, Now. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me Now. No, it's not. It's just. Just kill me. Now. No, no, Judy no. Golds. Just, just kill me. Just, just kill me now. <laughs> America, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in
1: equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose.